0: Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to another issue of Comic Book Tales. Uh, Last time I talked about the beginning of the Marvel Age Um. I put it at Amazing Fantasy number 15. A lot of people want to put it at Fantastic Four number one. Wherever you want to put it, I believe Spider Man changed the game. But if you want to put it at Fantastic Four number one, that's certainly your privilege and you're right. Uh, But this is my my story, and this is my attempt to capture that period of time uh, when Marvel was new, different, and definitely unique. So, in that vein, I want to talk to you about Stan Lee. Okay? Nothing about Marvel would be what we see today without one Stanley Lieber or Stan Lee. Uh, He changed his name for the comic book world because he thought he could write the American novel and didn't want to be saddled with the old comic book. um, The the, the thought the comic books were for children. He thought, I want to be a serious writer. So I'll use this non deplore and I'll be over here. Non deplume, sorry. So basically Stan Lee he was the, the nephew of Martin Goodman, the publisher, the owner, the man who uh, was in charge of Timely Atlas and Marvel Comics um up into the sixties. And Stan there's a lot of things you can say about Stan Lee, okay? and self-promoter probably high on that list stanley was a very good self-promoter and stanley promoted himself but he promoted marvel in the process of promoting himself and i think that's important to remember and i think that's sometimes lost stan wanted to be liked stan has always wanted to be liked he's wanted to be viewed as stan the man that's how he came across as stan the man and he didn't I don't think he went out of his way to not give credit to other people who were involved in the process, like Jack Kirby. But I think he didn't go out of his way to make them front and center because it was Stan's production. And I can see that perspective. And and here's why. Stan was the one writing everything, at least in the early days. Stan was the one trying to keep this whole thing together. Stan was basically the man in charge of everything, trying to make the Marvel Universe bring it into existence. Now that's not to diminish what Jack Kirby did or Steve Ditko or anybody like that. They, they contributed, but they were either doing art or doing one book at a time. They weren't, they weren't the overarching thing. This had Jack Kirby been in charge of the Marvel universe at that time, we wouldn't have the Marvel universe that we have. I I think Stan got out of Jack and Steve and numerous other people that shuffled through there, he got as most the most he could out of them for the greater good. And none of them really had the same promotional ability that Stan did. So uh, you can say, well, Stan kind of diminished Jack Kirby's contributions and Marvel diminished Jack Kirby's contributions, and that's probably true. But I've always felt that Jack signed on for the work he did and agreed to the pay he was given. I, I don't know how else to say that. If they were offering him a certain amount and he accepted it, he accepted the work they offered and he took the pay they gave him. Now, should it have been more? Maybe, but that's a class discussion that this isn't going to delve into. He, he got paid what he got paid and he accepted it and cashed those checks. If you did not want to do that, then don't cash the checks. Don't create any new characters. Don't don't put your life into it and then complain later because you didn't get more respect and more whatever. Jack worked from home most of the time. Um, and he he did what he did uh, away from the Marvel Studios. Uh, so back to Marvel and Stan Lee. So if you read the Stan Soapbox at the end of the issues as the Marvel Universe is starting to coalesce here, you would believe that there was a Marvel bullpen. And to an extent, there was kind of a Marvel bullpen, but it wasn't what you might think by the way Stan described it. He, he described it as this fun-loving, great place to be, everybody's having a good time, always laughing and joking and bouncing ideas off each other to make better comic books and characters and, and storylines. And, and everything was just, it was like it was the, the greatest place in the world to work. Think today, think of what you think Google is like, or Facebook, or Apple, or something like that. And that was Marvel, the Marvel bullpen at that point. But it wasn't true. And that's the the great thing. Everybody believed, who read Stan's Soapbox, that the Marvel bullpen was this great place. In reality, most of the artists dropped off their work, and Stan would put in the words for the story. Um, And they hardly ever saw each other, the, the secretary would sometimes collect it. It was more of a work from home, drop it off, approve, get your paycheck. It wasn't it was a lot of freelance, basically freelance. So you know, if you had you had that sixties that and seventies vibe of Stan talking every, every kid wanted to work at Marvel. Anybody who liked comic books, like, oh, that sounds like the greatest place in the world to work. That's awesome. You have fun all day. You get to draw comic books. This is this is the greatest thing. Could not have been further from the truth, but he made us believe. And I think that tells you how good of a storyteller and how good of a promoter Stan Lee was. Stanley came up with the Marvel Mighty Marvel Marching Society. He came up with the No Prize. If you don't know what the No Prize is, it was basically. You point out a mistake, you point out some inconsistency in the Marvel universe, and he would award you a no prize, which is literally no prize. But people people loved it. They loved it. The Mar- Mighty Marvel Marching Society. It was to drum up support for Marvel comics. You get a little you know, a little badge, you get a little uh keys that would come qu- occasionally, you know, you send in fifty cents and you get this. And it was nothing but it it, it fostered it fostered this growing sense of we're Marvel. Make mine Marvel. Okay? If you know that phrase, then you know what I'm talking about. Make mine Marvel. You were supposed to walk into your comic book store or wherever you bought your comics and say, I want you to carry that. Make mine Marvel. I want to buy Marvel comics. Okay? This is not a time when you might buy them at the grocery store. The grocery store owner looking at you and going, what? What is Marvel? You had to explain it. But you—you you actually had kids walking in and doing that. Name name a something in the sixties where kids were going and doing something like that, pushing. He—he it, 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 he got the whole country, not the whole country, obviously, but he got a lot of kids to go in and, and demand Marvel. You know that—that's an amazing thought when you, when you get right down to it, that you had, you had the little kids out there pushing your product, and talking about your product. And involved in your product. And somehow it's like the decoder rings from Dick Tracy and things like that in the 30s and 40s. This was the same thing, but on a grander scale. At very little cost to Marvel, Stan Lee was getting everybody out there to be part of the Marvel universe. You know, you might see an ad for something. Now that's controversial. But Stan would take money for Marvel to put ads in the comics. And they weren't ads. Spider Man got a car. Why? Because they got promotional money to put it in. Uh, they were snarky because they would put in characters from the public and kind of make fun of them. But they would change the names a little bit. Uh, they put in the artists and the, they put in Jack Kirby and Stan Lee in a, in a comic book, but didn't call them Jack and Stan. But you could tell by their faces who exactly they were. So it was, it was like you never knew what you were gonna get. And it was awesome because you turn the page and go, hey, wait a minute. I know what that is. That's awesome. I can I, I, I know who these people are. You, you it was like you were on the inside joke for all of this. Now Stan had higher aspirations than just running the comic books. He wanted entertainment. So eventually he made the move to California to try to get Marvel involved in TV and movies. Okay. TV was a little easier but not great. If you remember the late 60s you had Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk and Thor and Captain America I think uh, they were basically some comic some some animation and some like stop action panels where they would they would have a readover on static screens. they weren't great, but they they, they got something out in front of the public and that's the important part. Everybody remembers the Spider-Man theme. I'm not going to sing it here. I don't want to to kill everybody, but the Spider-Man theme became famous and that was 1968. Remember, he was introduced in 1962 and six years later, he had his own, his own TV show. Now, granted it was a cartoon, but it was still something to remember people by six years after it existed. It never existed before. Okay. Uh, he did get a live action show in the 70s, which was not good because the technology didn't exist to make Spider Man a TV show. Not, not in the cost that they had. Uh, but that's where Stan started to make his mark. Because by the 1980s, you had Spider Man and his amazing friends. You had Iceman and Firestar. Firestar was created for the show, but you had Stanley over uh, the, uh, introducing each episode and closing out each episode. So Stanley presents. Now think about that. This is name somebody at DC. Name an executive at DC. Cricket, you can't. When you think of DC Comics, you think of a big conglomerate organization. You can't name me one. You know, C-level executive at at DC Comics, and yet. In the 60s and 70s, into the 80s, you could name Stan Lee. You could name Stan Lee. Everybody knew Stan Lee. Stan Lee Presents. This is the top of every comic book. Stan Lee Presents. Even the comics he didn't create were under his banner. Now, you can say he's an egomaniac because of it, and probably was. But Stan Lee made Marvel comics. He made them what they are. The man deserves a great amount of credit for getting them from this infancy, basically through a call to personality, into what we know today. The fact that people look for Stan Lee in all the Marvel movies. Think about that. When you see a, a Superman movie or a Batman movie, do you look for a DC executive? Do you even know anybody who would possibly be in them? No. But everybody looks for the cameo from Stan Lee. And they're... They're weird. They're funny. They're cute. They're not relevant to the story most of the time, but they're they're there. Stanley does a cameo. Think how weird that is. That's amazing to me. You know, he he's in his 90s now. He's not going to be around much longer. Uh, but I'm going to miss that when I go to a Marvel movie and Stanley's not in it, because you're going to oh boy, it would have been nice to see Stanley. Even the bad Fantastic Four movies. Stan Lee had a cameo. So you got to look at that and say, okay, this guy had something special. He was something special. And I, I need to know more about this. So that's what this does. So we've taken the whole history of comics up to this point, And it took a lot of things in the early sixties to make it happen. But Stan Lee has to be a huge, huge part of this that anybody else at Marvel at the time, or even subsequently could not have created what was created there by Stan Lee. Again, not by himself, but under his banner, under his direction. Okay? That's why it's important. That's why Marvel was different. Somebody Archie Comics, name somebody Archie Comics, DC Comics, Image Comics, Dark Horse Comics, name somebody. You can't. You can't. I don't mean your favorite artist, your favorite um, uh, writer. I mean somebody who is in charge of that comic book line name somebody and you just can't so stanley carries on a legacy to this day that began in the 40s he was there when when captain america was created he didn't create him he was an assistant but he was there and all the way through today Things are done under his name. He's not involved in any day-to-day operations of anything other than doing film and cameos. And he's got other projects. But don't mistake the fact that Stan Lee's name carries a lot of weight in the Marvel Universe. When people go to comic book conventions and Stan Lee's going to be there, that's a big deal. That's a big crowd. and You can guarantee whenever he shows up at a conference, or at a comic book convention, he is the guy people are looking for. I don't care who else is there people want to see Stan Lee. I don't care if you're a DC fan, you want to meet Stan Lee because Stan Lee is the man. Stan the man. Don't kid yourself. Okay. Next time we'll talk about the Marvel method and it is unique. And that's what, again, separates Marvel from everybody else. But I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining me. I'm Chad. Goodbye. Tree Production.